Everybody, welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I'm your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about shutting the doors. It's psychobabble time for Timmy. Please excuse this indulgence. My ability to create euphemisms and analogies for experiences, which are quite commonly difficult to reconcile, has forced me to be trite, stale, and utterly shopworn. That's how I am precluding this podcast. I like telling myself things I make up, like practical isn't the same thing as efficient, the same way as simple isn't the same thing as easy. I don't know why. I just, uh, I guess, it just plays to my sense of vanity. As many of us like to imagine ourselves as we watch some sort of thrilling adventure or sci-fi fantasy or whatever, we love our tropes. Easy way to reference common fallacies, experiences, and the like. Cover your tracks. Shut the door. Get the gun. Don't forget the gun. Don't tempt fate. Shut the door. My mind is breezy with thoughts that wispily enter, have a sudden, short-lived, strong sense, and then dissipate, and it mentally stymies me. That all seems contrary to the popular notions of self-actualization. Self-actualization in Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the highest level of psychological development where personal potential is fully realized after basic bodily and ego needs have been fulfilled. Self-actualization was coined by the organismic theorist Kurt Goldstein for the motive to realize one's full potential. The tendency to actualize itself as fully as possible is the basic drive, the drive of self-actualization. Carl Rogers similarly wrote of the curative force in psychotherapy, man's tendency to actualize himself, to become his potentialities, to express and activate all the capacities of the organism. Maslow defined self-actualization to be self-fulfillment, namely the tendency for him, the individual, to become actualized in what he is potentially. This tendency might be phrased as the desire to become more and more of what one is, to become everything that one is capable of becoming. He used the term to describe a desire, not a driving force, that could lead to realizing one's capabilities. He did not feel that self-actualization determined one's life. Rather, he felt that it gave the individual a desire, a motivation to achieve budding ambition. Maslow's idea of self-actualization has been commonly interpreted as the full realization of one's potential and of one's true self. I came into life thinking I was precocious and funny, believing I could make myself a comedian and truly love to make people laugh. For a long list of reasons, that is something that, at this point in my life, is as likely to happen as me being named Man of the Year for some sort of achievement or contribution to something wonderful, or MVP of a major sports league, or recognized as a wealthy industrialist, or magically turning into Superman. Wouldn't that be great? 
But back on planet Earth, I never successfully closed a lot of doors in my mind, and they were all my responsibility to do so. Plenty. And I mean plenty of doors have been shut, especially right in my face. And others I found out about after maintaining a naive impression and disposition about them and not realizing that I was no longer in the good favor of those who kept those gates. If you've ever gone on social media and somehow someone from your dim past creeps up as a suggestion in your feed, think twice before clicking. Some are no longer with us, and those pages are sad because that person obviously stopped posting, and the rest are those in-memoriam quotes from old friends, which are sentimental, but can leave you in a poor state of mind because of the regret of losing contact, the loss of their life, your own mortality, and other stuff. Some have wildly different positions on all matters as you, and others seem to have been trapped in a kind of arrested development where they live to reminisce about a time in their lives that has long since gone by and do not show any significant emotional, social, or professional development outside of very parochial matters. And if you made it a point to move forward in any way, it seems peculiar when their frame of reference is tied to childhood into late adolescence. I'm all for keeping up with childhood friends, but my childhood friends have all had lives and adapted, and none of us, as my dear departed mom would say, are spring chickens. It's like beating a dead horse. Psychologically, I think my identity is at least partly tied to rejecting identifying with old aspects of my life. So, we all actively reckon with that part, whether consciously or unconsciously, but the idea in my mind, anyway, is to move forward. Just keep moving forward. Don't wallow in the past. The past is the past. We can learn from it, but it should not be a trap. And that's just one thin sliver. As an adult, I think we tend to identify with the best experience we had in our working lives and try to recreate that feeling or motivation or reward set, adapting as we go along. But that flame is what keeps many of us going if we are lucky enough to have ever had that in the first place. I keep friendly relations with former colleagues, and most of us have traveled different paths since we all worked together. That seems to be the most sensible progression. If you have left doors open, close them. Don't give oxygen to empty spaces. If anyone comes back from your past, they will knock on those doors, and you might open them a crack once in a great while, but keep the air for your own needs. Let sleeping dogs lie. A friend once told me that he tried to convince a relation he gave a job to, a relation who was the black sheep of the family, who had illogical priorities and did not recognize the context he was immersed in. My friend told him to just take a step forward and keep going in the direction he wanted to be headed. Do not worry about arriving at your destination because that should never deter anyone. If you do turn around after toiling away because of your own curiosity and the destination still seems very far out of reach, you might notice how far you've come. You might not ever get to your goal, but you aren't stuck and you had to learn and adapt and survive and you moved forward. That's progress. I think a big part of the problem is facing rejection. 
Some people accept it and believe that it is their fate to give up. Others just flat out deny reality. Others use it to motivate themselves. I don't know where the hell I am in that given scenario, but I would really like to pursue and prosper at a rewarding path personally, professionally, socially, and financially. Who doesn't? So what do I do? Take seminars from professional self-help speakers and regurgitate fourth-rate pop psychology psychobabble and happy talk drivel all day long? Never once looking around at the people you are surrounded by, all looking for a way out of the darkness? Who the hell are they? Or what? Most of us are just whistling in the dark. And when you see others you absolutely know for certain that are complete frauds who managed via connections to fail up, it chafes at you, but you still have to close that mental door and move on. The hard part, or art of it, is letting go of your ego. That gets in the way of everything. And having some sort of mental mechanism when something that you thought you had indeed shut the door on creeps up on you and threatens to ruin your fragile construct. The people you have decided are going to ruin everything if they show up and dissolve your carefully created facade. You know what I'm talking about. And then think of all those people paying ridiculous sums of money, not realizing how gullible or susceptible they are to manipulation, or how irrelevant that contrivance is to their lives and actual needs, aspirations, or desires. They are hardly more than flights of fancy that tell people who want to be well-off or whatever they consider motivated or centered or whatever they feel is missing that they are on their way by giving that guy money to sit there and nod in silent agreement and clap when something phony baloney appeals to them in that unlikely closed and expensive scenario. What do you really want? What are you willing to do to get it? How realistic is it a pursuit? Why do you want it? Is there an actual real method other than applying a discipline that doesn't disagree with you altogether that much? Is it just down to plug and play any nominally effective formula and some people excel at it while others just go along thinking that they will either get it or move on to the next one and that will be the formula? Are we all Ralph Cramden looking for that get-rich-quick scheme? What are you avoiding or neglecting that you need to survive or to succeed? What is it? Is it in the pages of the book they're selling? Is it in the way you hear it? Is it in the fervor of the people alongside you who desire what the speaker is selling? Who seems to be willing to forsake their own identities, families, jobs, relationships, reputation, and more in order to get that brass ring? Whatever it stands for. I don't even know what the hell I want. I hardly know what I don't want. I thought it would be enough to propel me to succeed to pursue my dreams, but that bubble burst. And more people than not want to burst your bubble for whatever it is that benefits them or they believe so. They want to take an active role in ruining your life. As I am fond of saying, finish ruining your own life before you ruin other people's. And don't believe that blather about giving other people permission to encroach on your dreams. Other people do. We become paralyzed and lose sight of what we originally wanted and accept less than we were willing to take because of circumstances. There's no fault in that. Most of what succeeds in life is based on compromise. Marriages cannot work in absolute terms. You have to give and take. 
when I see HR professionals blather on and on about finding perfect fits, I have to assume that they are not married. Ain't no such thing. That whole notion of doing a search for a perfect fit culture-wise and capability-wise is nonsense. I do have to say that culture is important in the workplace. When you have a poor fit, it does impact everyone. Sometimes everyone bands together and it motivates them to work around the bad fit. Other times they sneak in and pull fast ones after presenting themselves as an ideal colleague. Other times you just have to wonder who they know and what do they actually do. You know, those people you, you say to yourself, I've never seen any tangible results or any output worthy of notice. But a perfect fit is like finding the dream groom for the girl who spends her entire childhood and adolescence dreaming of the groom for her wedding. She is fixated on getting married. Not the character of the guy inside that tuxedo. She wants to be married. Have that elaborate experience and that dress. Be the center of attention. Snag the prize in front of your friends and all that stuff. The actual character of the husband is almost an afterthought. The gay culture is littered with people yammering away about their exes. People whose last names they would not ever remember unless it was in their phones. A lot of these guys use the term X as cultural currency so they won't sound as pathetic as they are. Insecure about not having real relationships so they turn any and everyone they knocked around with for a few weeks into their ex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. What does he do for a living again? Where is he from? If you have to look at his social media feed to answer any of those questions, he is just an acquaintance and another ship passing in the night. We, as a gay culture, attribute a slew of positive traits to people we barely know, and then, when they don't live up to our imagination, we become bitterly dissatisfied, disappointed, and break up because the man of your dreams exists only in your dreams. And that's entirely on you. The same principle applies to hiring people for jobs. Practical is not the same thing as efficient, just like simple is not the same thing as easy. There's got to be some breathing space and room for growth and plausible acceptance of imperfection in any job because they all change anyway. And don't give that poise for growth spiel. Everybody should be poised for growth. Best in class. Employer of choice. I'm being heretical here. You're never supposed to eat the sacred cow. You get karma anyhow. Thanks, boy, George. But the cow stampeded all over me. Kicked me in the face. The way some people act, they think these are truths and not working assumptions that have been propelled by biased research. We know from recent published work, namely Mid-Career Challenge, that there is inherent bias in hiring worldwide. If you want to give air to any opposing views, that's one of them. And that doesn't even take contractors or temps into consideration. They come and go like the tide in many cases. In my experience, the more temps you have, the worse the actual workplace culture. Not because of the temps, but because you can't keep talent. But that door opens and shuts depending on my situation. Anyway, it's that whole moving forward thing. Growth and progress are synonyms in that sense. The perfect fit for any corporate culture is a myth. On top of the current climate of leaving a job after one or two years tops, it has been referred to as two and out, is that how long most perfect marriages last? 
just enough of the shine to fall off the apple or the bloom off the rose and then into the scrap heap. Offhandedly, blindingly refusing to accept anyone who isn't at the top of the heap is the fault. We're all going. It's just that some of us take a bit more time to get where we are supposed to go if we are motivated. We also invest qualities and expertise into people who get lucky a few times, and then they wear that badge of honor for years and years. You know, resting on your laurels. And because it often makes others more receptive in the first place, they often get lazy and don't do the work that led them to being able to get lucky in the first place anymore. And I would imagine a lot of their contemporaries who have had careers of solid, respectable work never get the recognition they so deserve. So they aren't motivated to go back and put in the effort because it's really frustrating and it seems futile. But some of us are going in the wrong direction. Some of us don't even trust ourselves. Me, I've been burnt and burnt and still keep sticking my hand into that fire. I've got scars and you might think I would learn. <laughs> yeah. I gotta close that door. Sooner or later, they keep on getting closed on me. But I knock and knock and knock and knock, usually on the wrong doors. The ones for which I am not a fit. It sucks. I sometimes wish I believed in things the way the self-actualizers do, full throttled until the tank is empty. Self-actualization sounds great, and if you buy the next level of my course, I can make you believe in your dreams. But you have to help yourself first by handing over your wallet. So that's the secret. Promise them everything and keep that carrot dangling and always just out of reach, one might think. But you have to shut those doors first. The breeze flowing through your head at the same time you are striving to achieve self-actualization can be deafening. So how do you do that? In my case, it has been methodical and not as effective as I would like to think. The latches keep breaking. Oh, I'm missing something. I went wrong somewhere along the line. Ain't nobody here to help me find my way. I always feel like I am out in the wilderness in a blinding blizzard, but that's because I am not practicing mindfulness. Oh, that's right. I have to be still and concentrate on being in the moment, no matter where I am. Like the Dalai Lama. Yeah, because my life is so similar. And now someone will tell me that it is similar. And I will do my best to not wildly overreact in anger. Whenever I think of self-help and guides to self-actualization, I think of restaurants that sell Branzino. Some places spell it Bronzino. Branzini, Branzino, Branzinier, or whatever it is, but it's the same thing most of the time. You've been huckstered and your vanity won't allow you to accept that you are naive. It's all the same. The mumbo-jumbo has changed, that's all. So, do you reject everything out of hand? Do you think you have finally stumbled upon a winning formula? I'm still trying to shut those doors. But, like the sexual identity closet, the hinges get blown off from time to time. We all got to do some mental maintenance. I've been using my WD-40, and I like it from time to time. 
we have to make sure everything is in good working order, even if we have no intention of ever opening those doors again. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out. <laughs>